Welcome back to episode 70 of the Hockey House Pod presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined by Colin Fitzgerald, Stephen Glick, and our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and CHF training camps. It's good to be back. I know a lot of teams have hit the ice at this point. I think we got some teams that are, you know, almost a week away from their first games of the season. So we're pumped up here on the pod. Glick is back in the studio tonight. So we're fired up. Glick, how you been? It's been good. It's good to be back with the boys again. Really, you know, it really sucks not to be able to talk to you guys for all, what it feels like almost a month. It's good to wrap up the summer, get into my senior year, and hopefully the start of a great year on the ace with the owls and also off the ice with the boys at the hockey house. When did you wrap up your uh, internship in Cincinnati? Yeah, I wrapped it up last or the first week of August. And then I came home, just kind of was really busy with like lots of trips and stuff. And then tryouts for last week on Wednesday. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you back and, and we'll dive more into, you know, the in and outs of training camp here in a bit. Fitzy, you're looking great tonight. I mean, you got the lights going behind you, the shades on the headband. You are fired up for this one. I've been cooped up all day, boys. Just been waiting for this this episode tonight. It's the same old, same old for me here. Just hitting the ice, lifting when I can, playing roller, eating a lot of food, and playing Xbox. That's that's been the story. We got our uh, our training camp information the other day, so I'll be starting October fourteenth down in Birmingham. It's going to be like a a nine day camp, and then first game of the season will be in Danville, Illinois. Fitz, talking about Xbox, are you uh, giving a shot to the 23 technical test yet? I don't even know what that is. The NHL 23 beta? Oh, the, okay, like the, the beta. I've never heard someone call it a technical test. That's what they're calling <laughs> it. This, they called it last year and this year. So I'll have to go check it out. I've been very disappointed with EA Sports over the, the, the past few years. What was crazy with this game is they said they're making it cross-platform or whatever you want to call it. But it's not actually like you can play like if you have Xbox, you can play people on PlayStation. But like I have a EA SHL team. I can't like have a guy on PlayStation be on my team. I can't like play with him. I can only play against him. So classic EA just they can't figure anything out. They'll figure it out for FIFA, but not NHL. Well, they better figure it out for the new college football game because that'll be the game that gets me to purchase an Xbox again. I mean, we have one at home that like my little brothers use. And I think, I mean, somebody in this house here in Q's has to have an Xbox, but the college football video game series will be what gets me to Best Buy or Target or Walmart and purchase an Xbox again. I have no faith that EA Sports is going to do it right. I think NCAA Football 14 is looked upon so fondly because it was done in the days before Ultimate Team completely took over sports video gaming. It was just in the infancy of it. That's why so much of the dev team's resources was on Dynasty mode and why it's still so playable today. I don't think it's going to be nearly the same and a lot more focus is going to be on microtransactions. I've been let down so many times with the NHL team that who knows what it's going to be for NCAA. My only thing is I saw a couple people say like, no, it's going to be just like Madden. And then everyone's like, oh, this game's going to stink. And then I feel like in the recent weeks, there's been a lot of talk about a lot of the same features coming back. So I'm optimistic about that one. I thought there was way too much discussion about the cover. And Herm, I know you voiced your displeasure on Twitter about the gameplay features, the last second, whatever you want to dive, chip it in. Like that's going to be kind of lame. The fact that like there's going to be all these like cheap goals scored because of Zegers falling down and scoring. But I think a lot of people 
were just hating on the cover for no reason. Like I enjoyed it. It's different from what they normally do. I feel like every year they just take a cutout of a player and put them in a hallway and splash some color in the background. And you know, this year we got nurse and Zegers on the cover. We got a woman on the cover. There's palm trees. It's fun. It, it, I don't know. It makes hockey look a little bit cooler than, you know, the classic tunnel shot. I don't know what you guys thought about it, but I heard guys in the locker room complaining about the cover. I was like, do you even care what the cover looks like when you buy the game online? It's really not that deep. It's just a picture that's on the front of a box. And I do like how it's a little bit different. I mean, I haven't played an NHL game in a while, but just looking at the boxes, they're all just the same photo. Like you said, just a player in a dark hallway. They haven't changed that formula in about probably like five years. I'm going to play contrarian here and say that I saw a lot better aesthetically looking designs than the one that they came out with on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, If they went with more of, I guess, kind of a pose that was more in motion. One of of my designer buddies did a, a cover with Nasher on it. Nasher wound up reposting it and it looked better than, in my opinion, what the 23 cover is in actuality. I don't know. I'm cool with Zegers and Nurse on it. I thought there was missed potential. Yeah, and I think that I do think that kind of happens a lot nowadays with social media is anytime a team like their jerseys get leaked, like people always come out and be like, oh, like, well, this guy designed jerseys that look way better. And at the end of the day, like there's always somebody who could have done it better. And I, I thought people were putting too much effort into it, but tie this back to, to us. If you customize your team in the new NHL game, please send us some photos. We'd love to see it. Um, I, I remember my freshman year, I came over Christmas break, you know, had the Q's home away alternates in there, you know, sellout crowd in the carrier dome in, in my season. So I'm sure I'm not the only guy out there who does stuff like that. Um, I've, I've seen plenty of mock-ups in the past. So if you get the new game and you make uh, your college team, feel free to share it with us and we'd love to, to reshare it. Herm, any other updates? I, we didn't really get an introduction from you. We kind of just jumped right into the Xbox talk. No, busy week here in Utica. Just a lot of planning and day-to-day responsibilities on social over the weekend. Uh, I had my first, I guess, prelude to what I'm going to do for Cuse for Media Day because I took the headshots for the Comets, which is our dance team here. They dance for the Comets and UCFC. I mean, it was it was a fun experience. The girls seem to be happy with the end result. I'm going to wind up doing a more traditional media day for them going forwards, but working with a, a tripod and a light setup was a, a new experience for me. I've been purely action photography, so. Yeah, looking forward to uh, getting the media shots done. I know we, we're already talking. There's like four or five guys on the team. We all go to the same hairdresser and, and she's pumped for media day. She's like excited to all see us back in the salon. And she was even asking if we she could get a schedule poster up in the salon. That's great to hear. We're fired up about that. I told you guys last week, I'd give you an update on syllabus week. Like I said, it feels like it gets harder every year. Um, I know a couple guys were just talking like, oh, should we go out tonight? You know, Wednesday night syllabus week. And I'm like, I'm gassed, man. But we had a captain skate tonight and just we battled out there. It was it was insane. We we did a, a scrimmage. We had six goalies on the ice and we did a scrimmage and nobody scored for the first 17 minutes. We had guys throwing the body, guys blocking shots, guys chipping pucks deep and four checking. And it was nuts. My team scored and we opened up the floodgates. We probably like won five nothing. So uh, it was nice to see that competition level up. I know we'll get to it in a bit. It seems like that's kind of the same for everybody. Everyone's chomping at the bit. I think maybe this is just as a result of how crazy the last two, three years have been that now that everything is like pretty much 100% back to normal, uh, Everyone's so excited for the season and it's just really great to see. So like I said, I'm, I'm amped up for tonight, amped up to uh, 
kind of run through the the news that we have. I did say that I had an all-time ACHA moment at the skate tonight. So the way our schedule works is we have captain skate all this week. And then the last captain skate is tomorrow, which is Thursday night. Obviously this will be out by then. We have a skate during the club sports fair. And you guys know, like there's a rule. We have to have at least two officers there at the meeting. Now I have class on Thursday nights, so I cannot attend the meeting and I wasn't going to be able to attend the skate. I'm going to be in class. So that leaves four more officers. Another guy's working at the rink. So he'll be on the ice for captain skate and then, you know, go back to working at the rink. So that left three other guys. We got a senior Johnny Cajola. He's going to step up and man the table and to determine who had to go to the table. We started practice tonight. We did two warm up drills. And then on a fresh sheet, we had Anthony Larkin and Evan Vasilovsky go one on one Braveheart full ice with goalies. And whoever scored got to go to captain's practice. And the loser would have to go to the club sports fair tomorrow and man the table. Vassy ended up scoring like 30 seconds into it, but it was electric to have everybody on the bench and then battling it out one on one on the ice. And I just thought that it like only in club hockey do would guys relate to that like the punishment being you have to go man the table at the club sports fair how was the selly from vass on that not too much of a selly i think if larkin had scored he would have celebrated really hard but it was like they won the face off lark's got possession brought it down shot i think missed the net and then vassy collected the puck and then lark's just had a terrible gap and let the kids shoot it and he's got a, a heck of a shot and it just blew by Manuso. so electric moment and good way to start off the practice and i think that set the tone set the tone for the scrimmage and that's why it was so you know such a good battle well, I see in the notes here, we've added Murph versus the dryer. Uh, we've been having issues with the landlord since we got back. We have to pay with quarters to do laundry in our own house. Like we pay the landlord to do laundry all week long. The washer doesn't spin the clothes. So like what it does is it throws the soap and the water on the clothes. And then instead of like spinning to dry the clothes before you put them in the dryer, they're just soaking wet. The guy came, fixed it. No, he didn't fix it. He said, I can't, it's, it's, fine just like don't put that many clothes in it like you should really be only putting like a pair of jeans and a couple shirts and i was like well that's this isn't the olden days where we wash our clothes in the sink like i lived here last year i know what i can put in the washing machine finally get the washing machine to work and now the dryer doesn't work like it's like acting like it's not plugged in Vinny goes down there and he like smacks this and it turns on for him so then i woke up this morning and i needed to do laundry and i'm beating up this dryer and it's not turning on it's not turning on and then i've seen i've been seeing this like monsters university trend on tiktok where it's like you know i didn't expect to see this in college because we all watched that as kids and so i went down to there and make the tiktok and when i smacked it in the tiktok it turned on which was just hilarious i was like wow this couldn't have happened earlier in the day i don't know just a funny experience but i'm sure guys can relate to that because then you know like the landlords college landlords it's it's tough they're not the best but we are also trashing our house on the weekends so like there's got to be a fine line yeah hopefully we can get that figured out before the season starts we're doing laundry on it on you know every other night here but let's get into the the talking points. when i was on the ice tonight i think they posted these pictures because i i had a text from herm afterwards but william and mary for both their men's and women's teams got you know a fresh new look they updated the logos i think the school itself updated the colors recently and so they finally got the matching set and they look really sharp and nice green backdrop which looks pretty cool 
Haram, I'll let you take the next one because this is a pretty fun one to kind of follow along. Yeah, so Shane Rombach, good buddy of mine, played juniors in Detroit with Alex, flipped his commitment. If you remember before, we brought him up on the podcast because I photographed him in Marlboro and took a sweet shot of him taking a slap shot from the blue line, uploaded it to his elite prospects, and he was originally committed to Framingham State in NCAA D3. And Framingham zoomed into the max on a mobile device, screenshotted the image, and posted it on their Instagram in one of the lowest qualities I've ever seen from any team, period. It looked like that meme, I don't know if anyone listening is familiar with the the Spongebob Soldier Boy meme, where it just looks like there's three pixels on the screen, basically. It kind of looked like that. We buried Framingham a little bit, and Shane had been doing some thinking during uh, the offseason and wound up flipping over to Concordia University at Ann Arbor. He will be playing there additionally with fellow DFI alum Garrett Benoit. I am really, really excited for Shane this season to live it up in in Ann Arbor. Yeah, it's been a fun development to follow along with. Pretty cool news. I know, you know, we, it feels like we talk about these guys all the time, but they're always just doing cool stuff. Liberty Hockey is going to be at the Lynchburg Hillcats. They are the single A affiliate of the Cleveland Guardians, and they are hosting Hockey Night this Saturday at 6.30, and Liberty Hockey will be there, I'm sure, in their fresh new jerseys. They've been wearing those things, like, every day. Like, I think those guys sleep in them. Like, maybe they have a set in the locker room, and then each guy got a set to, like, walk around in a campus. Maybe they did no apparel this year. They're just going to wear the jerseys around campus but love seeing the photos of the new jerseys and i'm sure they'll look great hockey night at the hillcats want to give a shout out to the penn state women's team acha division one i mentioned a little bit earlier but the club sports fair is just it can be a wild scene as a college hockey player because we all know how legit the acha and the chf is and then you sit at these club sports fairs bless their souls but you got kids coming up to you being like oh like i skated when i was four years old like could i play and you're like uh, we just had a commit from the EHL. Like, I'm not sure, not sure this is the same boat here. Like we got this kid from Nova Scotia. He's been playing hockey his whole life and, and he's trying out for the team. Like, you know, you know, people are asking where they can buy jerseys and stuff, but the girls had a really good TikTok, and, you know, they're making fun of, I guess somebody asked them if they were the club that watches the men's hockey games on campus, which I'm sure they had a, a good laugh about, but watch out for the Nittany Lions this year in ACHA division one women's. Another shout out, this is kind of a, a stretch here, but the backyard brawl is back. If you don't know what that is, it's West Virginia and Pitt. West Virginia sits right below Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh, and I believe the schools are 75 miles apart from each other. They're playing each other in football for the first time since 2011. B- Big East rivalry that you know hasn't been able to be played because the teams, you know, like college sports nowadays, everyone's changing conferences. So they haven't played each other in a while. They're going to play each other on Thursday night this week. A note about this. These teams haven't played since 2011. Up until 2019, Pitt had been, you know, rocking the Vegas gold and Navy look. And it was actually their ACHA Division I team switched to the more classic look that they have now with the gold and the royal blue. They did that in 2016. And I believe that that look was so popular that in 2019, the school actually switched to those colors. So if you're, if you're having a hard time following along, basically the school was blue and yellow. They switched to navy and more of like a gold color, Vegas gold. And then the hockey team, we get it. We want cool jerseys. They were like, let's get the retro looking jerseys with the, the gold and blue. And then sure enough, three years later, the school switched over. And I'm sure they had something to do with it because, you know, the school followed suit. So that's kind of a cool story. It's real cool that, you know, 
for once the the club hockey team did something and then the school followed suit with it usually you see it go the other way around but wanted to throw in that note when you're watching that game this week um and then shout out to the boys at arkansas they surpassed their fundraising goal of twenty thousand dollars raising twenty two thousand Herm, did you see this video that they posted today the one of them on the ice like congrat like thanking the donors what about it yeah they they thanked the donors and in the background of the video there's two guys like dead making eye contact with each other and you know getting a little bromance going on in the background i was i completely missed that like i was so locked into being like okay they hit their goal gotta put it on the notes did not see that at all but six hours ago i commented a yo and it got nine likes. So uh, nine other people I, saw what I saw here's in the video. The thing, here's the thing. I saw you commented that, and I thought you were commenting about the fundraising goal. I completely missed no, the eye contact. No, yeah. yeah. Go watch that video once we're done here. But yeah, we're, we're going to a segment that Herm pretty much invented about an hour ago. We had a lot of, you know, when we were putting out the, the feelers, what do we want to talk about on the pod this week? A lot of teams are stepping up and saying that they're very excited. As I mentioned earlier, prettier people are really pumped up for this season. And so Herm thought it would be a great idea to kind of get these people to give their voice. And uh, we're going to kind of read through some of the best DM submissions that we got of people calling their shot this year. Here we go. So the first two, which kickstarted the entire thing, and then we made a second story post and all of the shots just came in from Brendan Rainbolt, uh, Maryville men's two. Maryville is going to shock people this year. All five levels, a couple of Iowa state transfers, NCAA drop downs, top 10 team looking to be top three this year. D2 men's is looking to avenge last year. D1 women's is looking to get past Liberty and the two new teams are looking solid. That's exciting for Maryville. I think that's a place that we talk about it all the time. Like that, that'll be an exciting place to play. I know they're a pretty new program, but like they pack the barn. And if that place is playing, you know, top 10 matchups, I'm sure the fans are going to get rowdy there. And even on the women's side, I know you see a lot of the submissions we got. It's all like, Hey, someone's got to beat Liberty. Like this is the year someone's going to take down Liberty. Uh, seemed to be the common consensus from the women's side of things. But continue to Owen Thomas's quote because I thought that one was a great one too. Yeah, from Owen Thomas, cock hockey. This is the most talented prospect pool that we've ever had, and that was from a sweet graphic that they had posted on Instagram. I don't know if that's a Gorms original or who made that, but it looks super solid. And Fitzy and I were talking about this beforehand. We were kind of like, what does what does that mean? Like. You know, how do you know? And then Herm, you were like, you just know. They've made it to the final four in the CHF last year. I know they got some NCAA guys coming in, some NAL guys coming in. They're one of those teams that didn't really do any commitment graphics just because I think they just didn't know what they were going to get at tryouts because that has seemed to become a pretty popular place for guys to go after juniors. So interesting to see how they do in the opener and, and how they face off and compare to the rest of the teams down south this year. From our boy Shane Romback and Garrett Benoit at Concordia University, Ann Arbor. Concordia will be the WAC champs in the 2022-23 season. And this is a note exclusively for Alex Herman. Gathering this quote, Benny let me know that he is still using the pink loofah. Concordia had a sneaky run in the WAC playoffs last year. They made some noise, which I think is is what you expect. I think that gives you the motivation to going into the next year. Like, hey, we can skate with some of these teams and maybe they'll, they'll put themselves in a better position going into the WAC playoffs this year. So we'll have to keep an eye on those guys. From Missouri Hockey's Instagram account, that's ACHA Men's 3, we are going to make a run at Nationals this year and put Mizzou Club Hockey on the map. We want everyone to see that we mean business and we are all in and will assert our position at the top of the league. Miz. 
I love this take. I think if you are lacing up your skates this fall and you don't want your team to go to nationals, like what are you doing? Like you're you're wasting your time. I think every team should be sitting in the locker room with that same goal. Even if you're a couple of years out from making it there, I mean, setting the goals pretty high there, you're you're bound to you know put yourself in a successful position. So I love the confidence out of Mizzou here. From Chase Habes at Glick's favorite Waldorf men's one. Watch out for Waldorf this year. Couple of new pieces and a ton of returners. Be on the lookout for Waldorf to make some noise. Very excited to see what my favorite Midwestern ACHA team does this year. That's all I got to say. I know we talked about it last week about like getting some merch, but we got to get Glick like a Waldorf shirt. Well, if you're a Waldorf guy listening to this, we got to get Glick a shirt. He's your biggest fan that you've probably never met before. Excited for the guys at Waldorf this year. From Abdul Aid, I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, at uh, Xavier Men's 2. Xavier Hockey is looking to bounce back after a tough season and make regionals. We have a great group of freshmen coming in as well as some solid returners. Teams better not sleep on us this year. Uh, I'm really looking forward to their season. I know they play, they're playing Cincinnati downtown this year, and that'll be, hopefully they can get a really good crowd for that. I know we mentioned a couple episodes back how it's cool that a lot of these teams are taking their rivalry games to these bigger venues to get a larger crowd. Nothing wrong with giving yourself some motivation earlier in the year. I'm sure they'll get fired up for the Cincy game. But sounds like they're fired up for a lot of their other opponents this year. So uh, it'll be exciting to watch. From Alec Antle at Lawrence Tech Men's 3, win natties. That's the big vibe from the LTU D3 team. I think it's crazy because you can feel it. There's an energy about it and everyone's really hungry. It's like it's contagious this time of year. And I know I mentioned it last week, but I hope all these teams that are saying this now say it down the road because, like I said, it's it's tough in February to get up for those games if you're not going your way. But bigger things come out of you know having these huge goals. And Lawrence Tech was there at, at the D3 tournament last year, and I'm sure they're they're well on their way to getting back there. From Matt Parker, Lake Superior State Women's One head coach. Big supporter of the show, by the way. Appreciated your DM. Lake Superior State will shake up women's ACHA D1. I think there could be some surprise teams who are hanging around the top 10 WD1 teams this season, and who isn't? This one caught my eye, too, because Lake Superior State's always been a big supporter of the show. Loved their guys at, at Nationals that came and talked to us. They kind of rolled through Division Two last year, and I think they were on... They were dead set on the national title game and they just they hit a bump in the road with Boston College, you know, on that back rink, the NHL rink at Centene. And I think they're pretty bummed. I think they're hungry. We always talk about how close the gap is between ACHA Division One and D3. Um, it'll be interesting to see how close that gap is on the women's side of things going from D2 ACHA to D1 ACHA. From Villanova Men's 1. Basically, whether we go to nationals or not is God's plan. However, there is not a harder working and better coach team in the ECHA and potentially ACHA, and we're going to make sure we end up there. We were something like 14 and 6 in 2019 and turned into 16 and 7 and something else in 2022. We still have that momentum. I just get excited when the big brands, you know, do well. You know, the, the Oklahoma's like we'll get to later on in the show, the Villanova's, the big name schools. And as much as people get annoyed when we post about the UNLVs and the Oregons, like it's good. It's good for ACHA. It's good for CHF when the big name schools do well. And so I'm, I'm hoping Villanova's in that boat too, except on November 11th. <laughs> from robert halyama at duquesne men's one we reloaded the back end brought in depth talent at forward and an ncaa goalie in net with pit out of the conference the door is open there's a guy who gets to play pit twice i mean I'm, I'm looking forward to that this one's interesting because you know that conference felt like it was pits to win and they never 
got it done, right? Before COVID, they lost to IUP. And then last year, they got upset by John Carroll. So I don't know. It feels like it's been anyone's game for a while now. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if if Duquesne makes a run at it. From a newcomer, Will Peters at Drury Men's 1. Drury will win the home opener. Roll kitties. Go Panthers. I uh, I had them on the stick taps, but I'll just bring it up now. Really cool to see what they got going on um, at Drury. I know they posted pictures of the first practices. Really cool seeing all the guys and the new shells and the new gloves and new helmets. I saw a photo, though, of them with new sticks in front of every stall. Every stall had two bundles of five sticks, which makes me think that each player got 10 sticks on the first day of tryouts. I mean, if that's the case here, like this could be, this could be a huge program a couple of years down the road here. So exciting to watch them and, and we'll definitely be tuning in on opening night. From Brian LaVere at Cuts Down D2. I believe it's Cuts Down D2. We did some digging on your profile and couldn't tell if it was D2 or D3. KU Puck is doing some shit this year. Double the roster from last year. Numbers are tripled over the past three years. We've been to Nationals twice. Won one championship. First place the last two seasons. It's only going to get better. Our incoming freshmen are some of the best we've ever had. We're only going to get better as the season goes on. We have a winter classic, trips to New York, and three games at at an ECHL arena this season. Well, as a player, you look at the schedule to come out and you're looking for the theme nights. You're looking for the rivalry games. It sounds like they got all of that. I'm sure the boys are fired up. Pretty cool to see. I, I, I'm thinking about all these takes and it's going to be so funny to look back when we do our nationals preview and we'll have to keep this document just make it, we got a couple more to go, but making a mental note here for us to keep the document. Um, it'll be really interesting to see where these teams are down the road. I'll keep track on an Excel sheet. Like I always do. You'll come up with some graphic of these were the most on base predictions. And these are the most off base predictions from Chandler Lynch, who Murph wrote down in the notes as having sick lettuce, who is a Delaware to George Mason transfer. George Mason is going to be a team to compete with in the ECHA. First D1 Nationals appearance coming this year. Much more of a solid team this year here to compete. Yeah, when I say lettuce, like he should be a head and shoulders sponsored athlete. Just a gross, gross set of flow he had. Played against them when he was at Delaware last year. And I mean, Delaware, a program that continually is is on the verge of going to nationals and for him to transfer from there to George Mason and say this stuff I mean it's got to be pretty exciting a lot of ECHA talk in these uh these statements here Glick how does that make you feel definitely I feel like all the fellow owls listening are definitely using it as motivation for our games against these teams this coming year so definitely be excited to face these guys uh four times this year our last one of the bunch from Connor Allen at BYU not participating with a frowny face Disappointing, unfortunately, that BYU will not be playing another team. This is kind of breaking. I was just going back and forth with someone on on Instagram right now, but it sounds like Providence is not going to have a team this year. I know in the last four years, they've gone to nationals three times. Uh, One of the teams that I think we had picked to to keep an eye on at the tournament, basically the coach quit over the summer and the university just wasn't in a spot where they could get the team ready for this year. So it sounds like they're going to be taking the year off. Uh, which is a huge bummer to hear. But BYU one is a stinger, man. I, I really thought there was going to be a Cinderella story when we had those guys on the pod and they talked about that being the final year. And it's such a huge bummer that they weren't able to work something out with the university. Going through the stick taps here. This is the first time I'm seeing it. DePaul Hockey doing yoga session for day two of their training camp. Herm, did you see this one? I did. They were doing yoga with hockey sticks. It's a solid video. I'd recommend you check it out. Have you guys been seeing this new training system where guys are going to the gym in skates? Fitzy, you've had to have seen these videos. I've seen them on TikTok a bunch of times. There's this company that makes a, a skate blade that is meant to be worn in the gym. It's not a real skate blade, but you put it on your skates so that you can go to the gym and work out in your hockey skates. 
skates and it's supposed to like strengthen your ankle mobility while doing workout bizarre that maybe they should do the yoga in full gear and, and see how that goes I saw two kids doing uh, like what you're talking about there, Murph, and they were doing box jumps with these skates on. I'm like, you're going to like get stuck in the like rivet of the box and just like it's not going to be good. I do not have the ankles to do that. I mean, hats off to the guys who do it and whatever gets you ready for the season. But that is not my cup of tea. Want to give another shout out to Cincinnati. I mean, their graphics team has just been killing it. I don't know who's responsible for that. They have been phenomenal. And I know we mentioned them a little bit earlier when we talked about Xavier. So exciting time to be a hockey fan in Cincy. Want to give a shout out to the guys at Eastern Michigan. We got a photo from them earlier tonight. Uh, Their hockey house is looking very good this year. They got the custom Eastern Michigan bar top um, in the house, it looks like, and decked out in, in EMU hockey gear and always good when the when the boys have a place to call home on the Saturday nights after a long series. So they are looking ready for the year. And uh, speaking about getting ready for the year, Get your websites in check, all right? I mentioned on the pod before, if I'm traveling to an away game, my grandfather, he's coming to the game. He's plugging in the GPS. He's looking up your team's website, and it better be updated because he's trying to find the rank. He's trying to find the live stream, all right? And we don't want to have that this year. So make sure your team's website is updated with Optimex Sports. They provide teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. And the best part is we continue to say this week in and week out. Your first year is free. Be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at optimex.com slash signup slash hockey house pod, or feel free to send them a DM and just let them know you that the hockey house pod sent you. They just released a new feature that we are super excited about. It's been in the works for a really long time. You can now sell merchandise. You can sell tickets. You can collect dues all through this new website feature, um, which has been really great. Shout out to Herm. He was able to help the guys at cock hockey get their website up and going. And we're super pumped for those guys. Any team could benefit from doing this. So be sure to check them out at optimex.com slash signup slash hockey house pod. As always, the reason we bring up optimex is the, the interview this week is brought to you by them. And I can't believe we've made it this far without mentioning who we have on this week. Louis Shanks has joined the show again awesome time interviewing him the journey that he's been on in the last year since we talked to him rollerblading across the country wild he had so many stories i could have talked to him all night when we were doing the interview everything he went through when he was going across the country what it took to prepare for that what it was like afterwards he goes through everything and i think everyone listening is going to love this video uh whether you're a hockey fan or not whether you're into rollerblading or not just the inspiration uh he had to do this is just great so stay tuned this interview is brought to you by optimex sports it gives me great pleasure to welcome back the man who needs no introduction, Louis Shanks, making a second appearance on the Hockey House Pod. Glad to have you. Thanks, man. I mean, you know, super thankful to be here. You guys have been there since day one. Super happy to be back and and to chat a bit and, and catch up with everything that's been going on. Yeah, it, it's been insane following you the last year. I remember exactly where I was when I saw the first 10 for 10 video and it got sent our way. I don't know if we got tagged in it or somehow, but I think you sent us a DM and it kind of explained your story and we were just getting started and it was kind of cool to have a story to get behind and it has been great following you since then. Just for the people who who have not listened to your previous episode with us, briefly give us the spark notes of, of your hockey career growing up in France, coming over to the States, playing college hockey before you know, eventually finding Missouri State. Just give a, a brief synopsis of that. 
Yeah, so I started playing hockey when I was four in France. I was born right outside of Paris. Uh, when I was 11, moved out of my house to go to a better hockey program three hours away. At the age of 14, I left on my own to go to Quebec City. I played two years of high school there, and then I played junior hockey in Toronto. Then I moved to El Paso, Texas. Then I played junior in Boston, which allowed me to get recruited to play NCAA D3 at Anamaria College. And then after two years there, I transferred to Missouri State. And then here we are. Here we are. And you graduated last year, correct? But now I, I've seen you've been on the ice recently. What have you been up to? Yeah, so I was supposed to graduate in the spring and uh, Missouri State has messed up all my credits, my transfers and stuff. So I found out a month and a half before graduation that I could not graduate. And I was like, well, like, what's happening? Dude? Like, what's going on? They told me, don't worry about it. You'll graduate in December. So then I notified my coaches that I would only have one semester left, thinking that I wouldn't be able to play college hockey for one semester. I was hoping I could, but, you know, I didn't want to put anybody in a tough situation. And then uh, last week, I'm trying to get registered for my classes here because when they didn't transfer my stuff properly, it dropped my GPA, which made me lose financial aid. They're not fixing that. And then last week when I'm trying to get registered for classes for my last semester, they come up to me and they're like, yeah, actually, you're going to be graduating in May. I'm like, what? So I have to pay full price, which is messed up. Uh, I immediately called my coach. I was like, hey, coach, like tryouts on Monday. I'll be here. I'm ready to go. Like I have one more year. He just told me they didn't have room for me. So I have a year left in school. I don't have a team. So it's a, it's a huge chaos. So then I asked if I could just practice and it wasn't a possibility either. So I've just been on my own on the ice right now. Just, you know, after this whole journey, trying to get back in the gym build my body from the ground up again and uh, just get some ice time whenever I get the chance. And uh, yeah, if any team's looking for a player, I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is insane as a guy who some credits of mine got fumbled up and now, you know, I'm a senior taking more credits than I would like to be, you know, going into my final two semesters. So I completely understand that, but I can't imagine going through all that chaos and what a roller coaster, but I enjoyed, you know, seeing you back at the rink and, I know you were posting about it, so that was good to see. And we'll have to get you involved somehow, give you give you something to stay busy when the hockey season comes around. Kind of walk us through your journey here. I, I remember the first time we talked, you mentioned how you kind of really fell in love with Missouri State and rollerblading at the same time because it wasn't something that you had the opportunity to do a lot. And then when you got on campus, fell in love with it. Talk about your journey when you first started rollerblading after you, know, you transferred from Anna Maria. When I was in France when I was younger, there wasn't much I time you know i'd probably play 14 games per season so i was always trying to you know play more hockey so i played a bit of roller hockey when i was younger but it was just for fun when i transferred here the boys at this tradition or something they would always do is they would go for a blade on campus and i didn't have skates or anything so my buddy alex was like hey use these skates and come with us so we started doing that and i was like dude that's unreal <laughs> so cool started doing that eventually get my skates and stuff and then one day i was just skating around campus with my roommate garrett one of my best buddies here and um i'm like bro it'd be it'd be nuts to skate across america and he's like dude it'd be so cool but you can't do that like come on now so i didn't say anything and i got home and i'm in the shower and i'm like i cannot get this thought out of my brain i need to do this i didn't want to do it just to do it you know like i'm not one of those guys like oh look at me look what i'm doing like i, I needed to find a purpose and a reason and then i realized well you survived a really rare skin condition when you were younger you never really got involved in that field and never really gave back that's when survivor's guilt hit me really hard because i was like how do i get to travel the world live my life 
chase my dreams, play hockey. Like when all these people in the hospital, they're suffering, they don't have answers. I needed to do something. So then I realized I was onto something and uh, started making some phone calls to Foundation for the Disease, which then put me in touch with the Center of Research at Vanderbilt University. I told them, I was like, hey, I have no idea how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to skate from LA to New York and I'm going to raise awareness and funds for research for this disease. And then from there, everything snowballed. Met a movie producer, Ryan Delaney and Jennifer Cox from LA through mutual friends. I was really persistent to get their attention because I knew I needed to be working with them. Met Mike, my videographer, and then everything just got started. And then as the time went by, I started finding sponsors. I had no, I had no experience in sales or marketing or anything, but I was like, I would literally walk into every store I thought was a good fit brand-wise with what I was doing. And I'd be like, hey, can I talk to a manager? <laughs> and uh, I'd just be like, hey, this is my story. This is what I'm trying to do. And uh, is there any way, you know, you guys can get involved? A lot of times I'd get no, but Every so often I'd get a yes and that's what I would hold on to and, and use to keep moving forward. And then TB12 got involved and, and all these really cool brands. It was really special. And then started training. I was, I was still playing for Missouri State at 18 credit hours in school. I was training six hours a day, six days a week for my journey itself. You know, I'd wake up at like 4.30 in the morning and I'd go to bed at two trying to stay on top of classes and everything and just making sure I was getting ready because I mean, my name was on the line. You know, it's one thing to talk about wanting to achieve something, but it's another thing to do it. I never really questioned the fact that I could do this or not. It was more like, what can I do to actually make it happen? From there, uh, you know, we, we flew to LA a week early. I really got prepared there, uh, organized everything. Then I spent like four days just on my own. They don't want to be around anyone. I just wanted to be in my little bubble. And then June 1st hit and we got started. And the funny part about this is that when we started the, jur the journey on June 1st at 8 a.m. in LA, we didn't have an RV yet. RVs are super hard to find due to COVID and everything. As I started my day, half of my team was following me and the other half was going to pick up the RV. So we had somewhere to sleep at night. <laughs> and so after the first day, I meet the team there at an RV park. They're full. We don't know how to run an RV. We don't know how to use it. We don't even know where we're supposed to park it to sleep. And we spent the first night in a Walmart parking lot in the middle of nowhere. It was hilarious. And then, yeah, just one day at a time, you know. Thinking about it, because I was watching you guys do it, I want to kind of hear your thought process behind it. You had obviously mapped out where you were going to go from LA to New York City. How would you plan where you're going to end up at the end of the day? Or were you just like, I'm going to rollerblade for as long as I can. And mm -hmm. then when I get tired, we'll call it a day. What was that thought process like? Were you guys like, oh, there's a Walmart in this town where we can stay the night in the parking lot? Or, you know, there's a campsite where we can stay in this town. Were you like making those little mental notes of where you would be a good place to stop for the night as much as i wanted to have the whole route planned out exactly before the journey started we couldn't make that happen so we knew what cities we wanted to go through but as far as the roads we literally would do this one day at a time we knew distance wise what i was trying to hit so the first two weeks i didn't want to kill myself but i didn't want to go too slow so i think my average the first two weeks was 54 miles which was good considering the weather in arizona and in california i skated through 116 degree weather it was it was tough it was rough so i would i would say a distance goal every day and 
then I would try to hit that depending on how I felt without killing myself or without holding back too much. And the first two weeks, that's what was the real challenge was to really balance that and figure out, you know, what was the right decision. Once we had an idea where we were going to hit, we were looking for RV parks to stay at. So we would call them and be like, hey, can we stay tonight? Do you guys have room? And then if they did great, if they didn't, we'd go to a gas station parking lot or a Walmart parking lot. The problem with that is when you're not an RV camp, you can't plug your RV with the water and the power. So we only had a small water tank to use a bathroom to shower and stuff. So, but we, we, we were just playing it by ear and, and, you know, as much as we wanted every day to be the same, every day was just a journey itself. Some days were super easy. And then some days everything was going wrong from traffic, from the heat, from getting pulled over. I don't know, like hit by a car, chased by a dude with an axe. Like it, you can't make this stuff up, you know, like it, nothing prepares you for the road, really. I want to hear some of those stories. Like you mentioned, getting pulled over. Like, what is that like? But before we get to that, you mentioned challenging days. It was so awesome following along. And But one of the posts that stands out to me was the day that you fell for the first time. And I remember how motivating that was for you because I assume going into it, you know, at some point you're going to fall. There's no way you can rollerblade across the country and not fall once. I mean, I, I fall down once or twice every time I go rollerblading and that's just in my driveway or on my street. What was that thought process? Because I know you ended up roller. That was like the most distance you had traveled in one day up to that point. The thing that really caught me off guard is that when I was training, I would purposely pick shitty roads, but I would have never imagined that what I was actually going to be skating on was probably a hundred times worse. From debris, from the the pavement being terrible, gravel roads, sometimes I had to walk for like eight miles in gravel with my skates on because my thing was, I'm going to skate. I'm going to have my skates on every single mile. And so that day I was feeling great. I was in a flag staff. I learned throughout this journey that you speak everything into existence, whether you realize it or not every day we talk to talk but like our words have a huge impact on what happens to us and i learned that the hard way i was sitting down and, and a great guy his name's josh he's a photographer he can't he hit me up he's like dude i want to come out take some photos i'm like sure and so i'm putting my skates on after my break and he's like have you fallen yet and i was like no not yet and so i start and, and in my mind i'm like Shit. so then i start skating and i'm feeling great like i'm flying i'm averaging like 22 miles per hour i'm i'm flying feeling good at this point i'm going like 30 miles an hour and my skate gets caught in a crack so i'm i'm trying to like lift my leg up and when i did that both my legs shot forward and i slid on concrete for like 20 feet I ended up in the ditch and i'm laying there cuz it happened so fast like it happened so fast and i felt so dumb but at the same time it was kind of out of my control and so the first thing i asked myself was like shit are your tattoos all right <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, they're good. They was like, did you break anything? I'm like, no, nah, good. So then I get up and I had two more miles to get to the checkpoint. I, my leg had like some serious road rash. Like it, it kept me up that night. I was like, I was like shivering. I, I didn't sleep. I almost threw up. Like I'm sitting there with my trainer and you know, we're, we knew that there's a possibility of setting a world record and it was great. It was a great motivator, but it was never my purpose for the journey. It would happen if it would happen. I'm a competitor, but I didn't want the record to take away from what I was, why I was doing this. And so I'm sitting there with my trainer and my producers and my trainer's like, you know, like I, I really care about your health and your safety. Like what you're doing is already pretty amazing. You know, maybe you need a res day, maybe. Cause at that point it was 12 days in without any rest day and I was like okay you know but then I was like no you know what fuck that like if I'm doing something this crazy I want to go all in I believe a hundred percent that if I did not fall that morning there's no way I would have skated 92 miles almost that day 
falling down kind of put a chip on my shoulder and because my leg was like all messed up it shifted my mind from oh my legs are tired oh this is such a long day instead i was like you're good just go next thing you know you hit like 91 miles and you're like wow like i can do that that really put into perspective that maybe i didn't need a rest day if 12 miles in after falling down i could skate 91 miles it wasn't about how trained or how physical this is but it was all up there looking back on the journey the hard part wasn't physical because i was prepared i trained so hard for this and that's why i drew a lot of strength and confidence the hard part was mentally because you skate all day you accomplish something and then you wake up the next morning you gotta do it all again because it doesn't mean anything until you get to your end goal from there you know just just build some confidence and and that was a huge that was a huge point in in the journey even for the next time i felt two more times after this uh, they were nowhere near as bad although one of them was on the shoulder on the highway it was just like hey last time you fell it was way worse than that just get up and keep going and i think you know being a hockey player it helps too <laughs> during a game you get a cheap shot it's not fair whatever it hurts but it puts a chip on your shoulder to to get back up and and work a little harder extra the next shift and and get some payback and some way. Road quality was something that I had written down in my notes because I do remember seeing the footage of you walking along. And I guess that's like you mentioned, as much as you want to plan out the whole route, you can't like it would just take way too long. Were there certain roads where you were blading on and you were like, I don't know, is there is there any way we can do a different route? Or like, is there any way we can get around this? Was that ever a conversation that you guys had in the RV? Yeah. So sometimes I'd be skating and I'm like, I cannot physically roll through this. Like I my wheels were about this big and still the pavement quality was so bad that I had to walk in my skates. And it was like walking with ski boots. It was terrible. Sometimes I knew that I had to go through this for four miles and then it was fine. If I was to take another route, if there was one, sometimes it would add 30 more miles. I'd rather go through it for four miles than add an extra 30. At first, I used to, what was really cool for me throughout this journey was to see the growth within myself and those obstacles. Like I would run to a gravel road or shitty pavement and I would just beat myself mentally. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. This is so annoying. It's going to take me forever. And then at the end of the journey, I was like, well, you get to be here right now for once. You know, you can, you can just walk, you can take your time and hog can you make this a little more meaningful? In Springfield, it happened again. I ran into a gravel road like that. It was terrible. I was like, well, you're walking. You're not going so fast. For once, you can pick up the trash just on the side of the road and make this a little more meaningful because usually I was just skating too fast to do that. It was just about finding ways to embrace those obstacles. And uh, one of my great buddies of mine that joined me on the journey, his name's Joe Lindley. He hit me with something and he said, the obstacle is the way. That was really helping me. And then I knew that every time I was getting through those tough moments, then whatever was going to come next, I was going to be even more prepared and it was going to seem way more attainable than if I didn't go through that. And now you mentioned the size of your wheels. I feel like when when you started this journey, you were wearing hockey rollerblades, inline skates. Over time, you switched up the wheels. Talk about what kind of rollerblades you use because they weren't hockey like the ones we use as hockey players when we go rollerblading or playing street hockey. Yeah, so I, when I first started this, I thought I could do this in my in my skates, in my hockey skates. For Movember two years ago, my buddy and I on my team, Sam Freddy, we did 66 miles for Movember in hockey skates and we couldn't walk for two weeks. Our feet were destroyed. And so then I started looking into actual long distance rollerblades. I got in touch with the brand Rollerblade. They hooked me up with like marathon skates, long distance speed skates, and the wheels were about this is big and they were great because they're really fast and you know they would go over all the debris and stuff but the issue was you know that that bower bump hockey players have on their feet 
they started being really painful on my feet to the point where I couldn't wear those skates anymore. So I had to switch to a more comfortable boot, still not a hockey skate or, you know, a rollerblade skate. The wheels were smaller. So I had to be like, okay, you're not going to go as fast, but you'll be comfortable so you can go longer. And that's a big choice I had to make. And then I put these on and I I, I, I never switched back to the first ones I had. I, it allowed me to keep going. It was just a, a good way to manage the pain and, and my feet. It worked out. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about the obstacles that you would deal with on a daily basis. How many times throughout the journey did you have to talk to the police? Did they were like, what, do you, what is going on here? Why are you rollerblading? How many times did that pop up? So many times. I mean, some states were way better than others. Some of them, police officers would wave at me, give me thumbs up. Like, it was awesome. Sometimes I'd get pulled over every 10 miles, every six miles. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, in most states, you're allowed to be on the shoulder if there's no other road. So I was on the highway on the shoulder. And the challenging thing was that sometimes there's no more shoulder on the highway. So like heading into this, I had to be aware of the danger of this because it's not like I had trained on the highway purposely. I, I didn't know. And and I, I wasn't going to put myself in that situation until I absolutely had to. It's something else. When you're, when you're on the highway and two feet next to you, there's a semi going 75 miles of an hour that passes you. It's, it's something you get used to. And then at some point, I just had to become numb to it and, uh, and the danger too. I, at some point, I told myself, I was like, hey, listen, the cool thing about this is that in the event that you were getting hit, you'd get hit from behind and you wouldn't see it coming. <laughs> like I had to be, I, I had to accept all these things in order to not be in my mind so much and make this much easier on myself. And as soon as I start thinking that way and embracing those things, it was much better. I remember after St. Louis, I uh, got pulled over. I was getting ready exactly where I stopped because what we would do is we would drop a pin exactly where I stopped at night. And then in the morning, we'd drive back to that pin and then we'd keep going. So if I stopped on the side of the highway, we had to pull over and hop out of the car. So we're in Illinois, nine miles into Illinois, putting my skates on, get pulled over. And this police officer is awesome. He loves what we're doing. And he's like, guys, you are about to pass East St. Louis. Whatever you do, do not get off the highway. It's not safe. Just stay on the highway for as long as you can and then get off because the neighborhoods are too dangerous. So like, all right. So I start skating. And then two miles later, I get pulled over by state trooper this time. And he's like, my supervisor sent me to kick you off. I'm like, no, but like, we just got pulled over two miles back. Like they said, we're good. And they told us not to get off. He's like, no, like you have to get off. I'm like, why? I'm like, I've been skating since LA on the highway. Like, I'll be okay. I promise you, I'll be okay. He's like, no, I'm going to escort you. You're getting up now. This week, we had three pedestrians on the highway get killed. You're getting up. So he escorted me. I was skating. He was driving behind me, escorts me to the exit. And then we had to adjust the route again. And that's the kind of stuff we would run into. And that's why we couldn't have the route planned beforehand because we never knew what was going to happen, whether it was traffic or road closed or getting pulled over, an accident or whatever. So we had to be pretty flexible with, with everything that was coming our way. It's wild that the amount of things that you probably saw on a daily basis that you probably never encountered before. I have on here cities. How many of these cities had you been to before you did this journey? Had you ever been to LA? Have you ever been to New York City? Yes, yeah, so I had been to LA. I've been to New York City. I drove through Columbus, never went to Albuquerque. I never went through, and there's been so many cities where I skated through Pittsburgh. I had I played hockey there a couple of times. West Virginia, like there's so many places I I I I'd never been. And the thing is, because I skated through Springfield, which was really cool. It was like a double-edged sword because part of me was like, for once I know where I'm at. So it's really reassuring because you're not just skating into nowhere. 
and I know what spots are dangerous, what spots are not. But the thing is, because I live here, in my mind, it felt like I was home, but I was nowhere near done. So to leave Springfield, you're leaving a place that you know to go into the unknown again. And it's like, wow. You, it's almost like your mind is like, you could have stopped right there. You know, <laughs> you were home <laughs> pulling away from that. And that was, that was a hard part. Was it nice though, that Springfield was almost dead center in the middle of the country? Like, because it probably gave you a pretty nice break. Whereas if you had done that break earlier in the trip and went through Springfield or later in the trip, it probably would have been harder to get going where as you kind of knew mentally, like that was going to be the halfway point. It was great to be able to see all my people, all my friends here in Springfield. It was a huge boost. And and even for me, I was like, wow, like I'm, I'm really doing this. I knew I was, but it was a good way to reinforce that feeling. The thing is, when we had events like this, it's time that I wasn't resting. So I would skate all day and it was pretty stressful because we had these, um, these timelines to hit in order to make it to those events on time. So it was pretty stressful during the day. Then you're finally done skating and then you have an event till like 1130 at night. So it's time that you're standing up. Up, they were talking to people and you know whether I wanted it or not it was tiring so then the next day after those events yes I was fully recharged like mentally but physically my body wasn't getting the proper rest so it's great that it happened when it did it gave me a huge boost at some point you know your body is, is just going through it so it's it's like your your body will keep going it's just you gotta shut that mind and, and really control your emotions and it makes everything easier I'm sure a lot of the sponsorships you got were from rollerblading around in Springfield. Was it good to reconnect with people who had supported you throughout the journey? Yeah, that was that was a very special feeling because, you know, a lot of sponsors like talk to my team, talk to me, and they're like, okay, but what if you break an ankle? What if you get hit? What if you fall, you can't finish? What if it's too hard? And these were all valid things for them to to worry about. I wanted to be affiliated with people that really believed in this and in me. And and for me to be able to, to arrive in Springfield and have all these people there, these sponsors, I was like, you know what? I'm not only doing this for myself, but I'm also doing this for you guys because you believed in me and here I am and I'm not even done yet. I'm going to finish it. It was a really special feeling to, to be able to see these people that truly believed I could accomplish this and supported me in many ways and and, and be there with them and, and get a little boost of energy and look at them and be like, I got this. I told you I would and I will. You mentioned the timeline and having certain events to meet and get there by. When you got to New York City, it was the first time I had saw that you broke the world record for doing this. Had people done this beforehand? Was this a new record? Did you have an idea going into it how long it might take you? So originally, I thought it would take me about 80 days. And then I saw that some guy, hella good run on Instagram, ran in 81. So I was like, okay, if you ran that in 81, I can probably cut that time in half. And then there's a lady, her name is Casey Cleveland. She went from San Diego to Florida, which is a much flatter route. Even with talking to her, because I asked for some advice, I connected with her. I found 2,300 miles, 2,500 miles, and 2,700 miles. So she told me 2,700. So she did this distance in 47 and a half days. I knew that my journey distance-wise was going to be longer. It ended up being 2,900 miles, but I didn't want to just break that record with the distance. I also wanted to beat her time. So the last three days of the journey, two and a half days, I didn't sleep. I skated, I skated, I skated. I would take an hour, two hour break here and there, but I didn't have a full night of rest. I just kept going skating through the night twice. I skated about 255 miles in two and a half days. 
I would I would skate like over a hundred miles a day. It was it was insane. I got there in New York. I was like, oh, you did it in forty six days. And then I sat down and I started counting. I was like, no, you actually did it in forty five. So it was really cool because in the beginning when I was getting these fifty four miles a day, I was really caught up on the time frame and when I would end, and it was really beating me mentally. And then I detached myself from that goal and I was like, just worry about skating. Take it one day at a time. And by doing that, it all worked out, and I was able to do it in forty five days. 10 hours and 44 seconds, something like that. <laughs> so no, it was, it was pretty special. But then again, it's like, what does a world record mean? You know, it's, it's, you always hear other people do it. And, and, and now that I've accomplished this, I still haven't processed what it means. And it's pretty wild. Again, her journey and mine were completely different. So I'm not even trying to compare that or take anything away from her. And yeah, I faced 133,000 feet of elevation. Uh, for reference, Mount Everest is 29,000 feet. So uh, it was four and a half Mount Everest on rollerblades. That is, that is insane. New York City is such a crazy place. What was the scene like where you finished? Was there a certain spot that you wanted to hit? I know you ended up in Times Square. Was that always the goal? Was there like a certain place you were blading to? Like, At what point do you put your hands up and decide to you know take a breather and that you're done? So I always knew I wanted to get to Times Square. Don't know why. I just thought it was a cool place. It would be awesome to finish there with all the screens and everything. On Times Square, there's this big American flag on the side of the stairs there. My team was was set up there, but then there's so many people in Times Square that the security guys and stuff pushed them away. So we were right next to where I wanted to be, which was perfect. Uh, it was really cool because my parents flew from France. So they spent the, the last down the road with us. And then they were at the finish line with my team when I got there. And they were holding a little uh, finish line thing. And I skated through it. And as soon as I hit that, it was done. It was all it was all over. And uh, Times Square and the finish and what I felt was not what I had pictured at all in my mind. When I was training, when it was hard, when it was good, I was always seeing it like picture this like a team winning the Stanley Cup or a team winning a championship. Everybody's just screaming and they're all like, let's go. They're all fired up. I was really excited. But when I crossed that finish line, I was like, oh, it's over. What does it mean? And then the first thought that came to my mind was like, what now? Like, what's next? I've been trying to wrap my head around what it felt. And I realized that it really never was about the start or the finish, but it was about everything that's happened in between and, and the impact I could have on people around me and, and show them that I'm no different. I just had an idea and I put my foot down. I believed in it and uh, I made it happen. It was it was unreal to watch. And speaking of watching, I know there were the guys following you, making content the whole time. Is there plans for some you know big video that kind of walks you through what you experienced on my team there was two movie producers from la ryan delaney and then jennifer cox they're really they're, they're they have an amazing career we recorded every second of my preparation every second of the journey right now we're still recording the after after the fact because we are going to be creating a documentary that will be sent to movie festivals like the sundance festival uh, in utah the Cannes festival in france and then once that's done we're going to take it to movie theaters and once the movie theaters and all that's over, we will take it to streaming platforms like Apple TV, Netflix, Hulu, and all that. So we will have a documentary that tells everything, that tells a story and, and why uh, I did that. We are a platform for guys who want to play in the ACHA. We love stories about guys who kind of find their home, find the place where they can relax, have a good time, play hockey. It's so crazy to see the journey that you've been on and how it almost all happened because you 
moved across the country and, and went to Missouri State. That must not have been an easy thing for you to do. Looking back now, what would you have told yourself on that first day at Missouri State, knowing everything you've been through? Well, that's a great question. Give me goosebumps. Uh, I was in such a good place mentally when I transferred. You hear a lot about, oh, it's only club hockey and this and that. And I realized that this is all bullshit. <laughs> we can play. We can play. The level is really strong. The organizations are, are great. If I could go back and tell myself one thing is like, hey, you made the right decision. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. And then be enjoy it. Because right now I don't have a team and I would do anything to be on the ice again it flies you know time flies even if the school is like holding me back and stuff like time does fly i i i still can't believe this journey happened and it's really special that i was able to come here and find myself in a sense and 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 do what i love while getting an education and and also allowing myself to see the bigger picture and see what how else could i have an impact on the world around me and i'm just glad it all worked out that way i'm sad uh, i can be I can be a part of the team. It's 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 hard. I'm still trying to process all that. But, you know, I, I believe that this journey has taught me that everything happens for a reason. And now I get to set new goals for myself and 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 find a team and 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 chase that. The the HA has has been uh treating me well and I, I wouldn't change that that decision. To add on to that too, I think a lot of the, the league credibility is is owed to what you guys do. I've said it before. I've messaged you guys full times and I'll say it again. Just like you said, it was cool to see my journey evolve and my training and everything and everything come together. It's been pretty cool for me to see you guys just come together and, and really promote the team. What you guys did at Nationals was absolutely insane. It gives a lot of credibility, not only to the league, but to us players. And I speak for myself and I'm sure everybody in the league can, can relate. So super thankful for what you guys are doing. It was incredible the amount of people I mean getting to meet you at nationals and it was just like you know I felt like we had known each other for years and we were just old friends catching up and not only was it like that with you but it was with the guys on the other teams as well that we had talked to and it was just like this community that we have here in club hockey is relentless like everywhere you go somebody has played at some point everybody's got a crazy story that's what we're just trying to do is share these stories and promote the league and Louis I want to thank you so much before you get going here but awesome jobs congratulations to you we cannot wait to see what you do next I know you're probably looking for forward to hitting the gym. I know you're also a big tattoo guy. Kind of walk us through the process of this latest tattoo of yours. Yeah. So just like I had done with you guys, I was in Nashville and my team after the season two years ago, I walked into this tattoo shop. And I'm like, Hey, like, you know, start talking with them. I got this little tattoo right here in Nashville. And I told them, Hey, I'm going to skate across the country. And then I created a really cool relationship with the guys there at Hearts of Fire, uh, not Hearts of Fire, Pride and Glory tattoo. Sorry. And uh, my buddy, Peter, he always believed in me like one of my sponsors. And then when I finished uh, the journey, we went to Nashville because I was supposed to meet with Vanderbilt University and the researchers there. I was supposed to throw their first pitch at the Nashville Sounds game, which I still don't know how to throw baseball. I'm throwing the first pitch here in two days in Springfield. I have no idea how to throw baseball. Uh, <laughs> he was like, come in and and uh, come get a tattoo on us. And so I got I got the skates with some flames and then I got 45 for 45 days and then the amount of miles, 2,902 miles. And we filmed some stuff for the documentary there and 
it was pretty special. It's cool to, to you know, have a goal and, and now I get to, to accomplish it and wear this with me for forever. So yeah, back in the gym and uh, I'm going to go to tryouts to some SB tryouts next week in Iowa and Quad City. This is all new to me. I'm trying to figure out what's the best way for me to go about playing hockey right now or trying to finish my year and finish school because I'm a student visa, so I can't be doing both at the same time. So yeah, I don't know. If a team was to call me tomorrow, I'd pack my stuff, I'd move and I'd, I'd get it going because I realized that I need to be on the ice to be happy. So yeah, it's 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 crazy how valuable it is to just have the the game of hockey around you. And I think so many guys listening to this would agree that like none of us are where we are today without the game of hockey. It's opened up so many doors for all of us. And I mean, look, just looking at your story, the game of hockey brought you to North America, and then from there it. it led you across the country yeah. on rollerblades. I think maybe you ought to shoot the first pitch. If they let you bring a stick out, you could shoot it like a, like a hockey puck. Maybe they'll let you do that. I'd be more comfortable. I'd be more comfortable doing that. The other side is maybe I just fuck it up on purpose and it goes viral on social media or something. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. would be great. Well, Louis... Thank you so much for joining us. I think people are going to be really excited to listen to this one. So many guys have been following you and, and what you've been doing. And, and as always, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you guys. And uh, also, I thought about this today. Shout out to, I don't know if it was you or who it was on your team that made that graphic. That was yours truly. Well, dude, that was insane. That was incredible. And uh, I could, I was skating. And I'm like, how did he pull this one off? So it was it was unreal. Super thankful. You're super talented. And uh, yeah, it meant a lot. So I really appreciate you. Once again, thank you to Louie for joining us. So great to hear from him. We wish him the best of luck in this upcoming year. You know, hope he hops on a team with somebody in the near future. This week's question, favorite story from tryouts. I know everyone's kind of in the same boat right now. You're either wrapping up tryouts, you're starting captain skates, fun time of year. We just mentioned it. Everyone's so excited for the season. Glick, I want to toss it to you first. I know you have gone through some struggles already as, as club president, working with the university and, and getting tryouts on the schedule. So kind of walk us through that to as as your answer to the question yeah um, i had quite a crazy first challenge as president so we have trials the first week of class and the weekend before i'm up in the pocono mountains for a little trip so i get a call from the head of club sports that like or an email first like hey you, you know, this is urgent you got to call me so i call him and he basically explains that um the school and the rank negotiation kind of halted and we were not going to be allowed to use our own home rank for tryouts. I'm hearing that. I'm like, well, tryouts are in 48 hours. So what's the plan here? So we ended up having to hold tryouts at a completely different rank. We had to redo all the transportation, all that fun stuff. Uh, we had tryouts Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday at just like a different rank. It's actually the rank where Villanova plays, which was kind of funny holding tryouts. And in the background, you see Villanova hockey. Yeah, that was just a pretty interesting way to hold your last year of tryouts, just fine finding out literally two days before like, oh, hey, by the way, you can't even use your own home rink right now. Well, if there's any guy who knows about not being able to use his home rink during tryouts, I think it'd be the next guy we talked to. Fitzy, what's your best tryout story? Yeah, very similar to Glick there. Obviously, Frank doesn't open up for about a month or two once you get get on campus. So we're out at Columbus, Indiana doing tryouts. My freshman year, all of a sudden, the night before tryouts, we can't go to Columbus, Indiana. We now have to go to Carmel, Indiana, which is about a two hour drive. So we were shuttling back and forth for, you know, three or four days doing that. 
I did want to give a quick uh, main camp story too from Binghamton last year. Um, that was just funny, and it was just like I felt like I couldn't escape the ACHA. It's it's always going to be in me. The Binghamton Devils used to play at Binghamton, their AHL team of New Jersey Devils. They left behind a bunch of stuff when they left out of there. So when we got there for main camp, they just their equipment managers handing us these socks, and they got you know like the red, white, black Devils colors. It's this you know game socks that they wore. They're like, yeah, we're, we're, you, could, you just wear them, you know, during main camp, and then we'll we'll get our own stuff, you know, once we get the team figured out for Binghamton Black Bears. We're out there for the very first skate of the training camp and commissioner of the league is there from commissioner of the fed is at the rink he comes like flying onto the ice and he doesn't have skates on or anything he's all of a sudden he's on the ice and he's like yelling at all of us and we have no idea what's going on it's the first skate and i guess we weren't supposed to be wearing those socks and it would have been like a major issue if someone took a picture of us and major copyright issues possibly could have happened so that was just a uh a little ACHA moment in the FUD. The most bizarre part about that story is I feel like the devil socks are so basic that like a lot of youth teams wear them. A lot of high school teams wear them just because like if your team is red and black, like they're easy to match with your jerseys. So, I mean, I guess like because you guys were playing in the Binghamton Devils old rink that like maybe somebody would have connected the dots, but to run on the ice, that is absurd. Yeah, it was funny. They, it was crazy the stuff that the Devils left behind there. I'd find stuff in the locker room of just like old Under Armour stuff that's got Devils logos on it and all kinds of gear. Yeah, it was, it was cool being back at that, that, that old barn and we came and saw you play. I think I told the best tryout story I've heard at least last week, but I wasn't even there for that. Having two guys go at it because someone got hit from behind and then they end up being best friends on the team. I think back to my first tr- year of trying out as a freshman it was like all the returners were in locker room D, which is the locker room we get dressed in for home games. And then it was like all the new guys were in C and it's like quiet as a library. Like nobody's talking in C, like everybody's nervous. First day of tryouts, you know, I'm scared of getting cut. Like we all are. You could hear a pin drop and Ford Hatchet was in there. And this is like my first introduction to Ford. People thought we were brothers because we looked alike. People were asking us that and we were like, no, we're not related at all. Dead silent. And he goes, all right, we're going to go around the room. I want to know what everyone's favorite song is. One by one, went around the room. Everybody said their name and what their favorite song is. And it just seemed so silly at the time, but it like broke the ice. Everyone was so relaxed. We went out there, it got the locker room talking. And I just think back, like without that, everyone would have been so nervous going on the ice because you could hear a pin drop. So that's learning from it now. Be the veteran who speaks up in the locker room and gets the the younger guys loosened up before tryouts because you know it's it's easy as a senior or junior to be not nervous at all because you know you have your spot and there's 18 other guys in the room that are you know crapping their pants on the bench before they go out so you know training camp is a fun time herm i'm curious did you have to you know go out there and, and shoot practice at all and you know show them that your photos are good enough to make the team are we talking about the Bobcats or are we talking about the Comet? The Bobcats. Did you have to, uh, you know, ever, ever, ever show off your skill before they hired you? You walked in, right? I walked into Bird and Sean Hogan just took me on pretty much at that point. I have no college tryout story, really. I was not there for the tryouts at any of my four years because as a photographer, I picked it up late in my senior year. So there was nothing for me to be there with essentially all right well that just about wraps it up for us this week on the hockey house pod very exciting i I think it is so close and i know we all gave a spiel last week about how excited we were for this upcoming season glick i want to give you the same chance to do it uh what's something that you're looking forward to this year 
Oh, I'm just looking forward for my senior year. We have a brand new coaching staff, which from, I mean, obviously I helped in selecting that, but just from the first week of uh, tryouts and the first week of practices so far, our team's looking really solid. And we're really, really excited for this uh, this coming season. We definitely think we're going to have a very successful year. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to following along and seeing how the Owls do this year. If you have any any inside scoop on the upcoming season, you got thoughts you want to speak for you, like feel free to send us a DM with your hot takes or Anything else that's going on as we start to kick off the ACHA and CHF 2022-23 season. Social media managers, too. If you've got big content that you're posting that you think belongs on our feed, shoot us a message. We are not omnipotent, and there's like 600 teams that we've got to keep eyes on. It's easy to miss stuff. Let us know. That way we can organize collab posts with you. That way we can compile stuff, photos, videos, whatever you want to do. If it's quality enough to get on our radar, we'll post it. Guys, on media day too if you get any funny photos send them send them our way we want to see them too don't screenshot your media day photos i will come and fight you if you do that all right fitzy bring us home we'll see you next week boys have a good one